Sometimes they're in a bottle Sometimes a pair of high-heeled shoes Some come rolled in paper Some have six strings And only play the blues Once you've met the devil There ain't no way he'll let you be When I'm not chasing demons There's demons chasing me And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy The Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast The Vault of Startling Monster Horror Tales of Terror! <laughs> Holy horror, it's been a tough year, my little flock. That's why this month we've provided a little relief from all the Debbie Downer scary movies and picked a nice little low-budget tale about a good, hard-working, God-fearing family and how they stick together despite an unwholesome world. Even the title is gentle. So gather the family around the tube, get some popcorn, and get ready for an old-timey stand-by-your-dad movie, Frailty. Hello and welcome to the Vault of Startling Monster Horror Tales of Terror. I am Chris Honeywell, and I am one of your four hosts. Uh, my other three hosts are the other Chris, Chris Tyler. I never killed a man in my whole life! And them Jack and Eddie boys. Well, we got them Jack and Eddie boys right here. First of all, you got your Luke. I sure love peas. <laughs> second of all you got his other brother Jason we don't kill people we destroy demons that's right yeah I was prepared to have a line so I'm going to read my line mine is Davey God gave us free will we're not just puppets <laughs> on a string I don't know about that Davey <laughs> we are bolted down to the ground and clay over an armature Oh, you ever man. get the feeling like someone outside is manipulating all your actions, Davey? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. that's, that, that's that one that's not in the syndication package for Davey. No, yeah. a, da- a Davey and Goliath cartoon about free will is some meta shit right there. <laughs> but we're not talking about Davey and Goliath. What are we talking about, Chris? We are, yeah, that's right. I, we are talking about. Oh, I I forgot what year. What year was this movie? Two thousand one. Two thousand and one. Holy shit! Two thousand and one. So it's on its twentieth anniversary. Twentieth anniversary. Anniversary. It's frailty. One of my. I just love this movie, and was so happy to revisit it. 
And uh, who boy, this is one I categorize as a, a genre switcher, or a lot of times they're more like genre smashers. But it's not like they the movies where they mix two genres in and it's the flavor of one and then the flavor of another. It's a movie where you're watching it and it's one kind of movie. And then there's a certain point in the movie where it becomes a completely different movie. You're watching a complete, completely different story, so to speak. And like, I would also like to advise if anybody doesn't want this movie spoiled, they should they should not listen to they should go watch this and yeah, then listen stop, to this stop podcast. the podcast yeah. stop the podcast go watch frailty and then come back if you haven't seen it. all right so you've watched it now you're back carry yes. us and and you've seen that 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 it's a horror comedy starring bill paxton oh <laughs> <laughs> no, that's aliens <laughs> as the no 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 that one had bill pullman didn't it like i always oh, get those yeah. two mixed up right? me too <laughs> See, I, I like, I always like get in my head mixed up. Powers, like Powers boot, like I always thought the McConaughey character and Powers Booth, they would always switch in my mind to um, Tommy Lee Jones and um, and uh, what's his name? Yeah, that guy. Oh. Yeah, yeah, no, the um Ethan Embry? Yeah. Woody from Cheers. Harrelson. Woody Harrelson. You <laughs> <laughs> just keep ra- randomly guessing people. <laughs> Christy Brinkley. Christy <laughs> Brinkley. No, 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 but close. Billy Joel. Billy Joel. <laughs> <laughs> but uh oh boy, what a movie this is. Yeah. Just from the script to it this it's it's kind of like a Twilight Zone movie. It's definitely a horror movie, no matter what. It it, it switches horror genres to, yeah. from psychological horror into Religious, true metaphysical uh, they, horror. Like, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it, and in some ways, it's like it's a one of a kind flick because this is one of those ones I remember hearing about it online in the nascent days of when everything started coming out on the internet and you'd actually start hearing about st- stuff instead of having to read, you know, Starlog or Fangoria. And it was just one of those ones. I can't remember what website I heard about it. It was, Oh, Bill Paxton. Okay. Oh, that sounds interesting. Uh, you know, thriller. Okay. And then the day that it hit DVD, went to my local place, rented it. Didn't know what I was in for. And it was one of those ones where you, wa- you know, I watched it and then it did a Keanu Reeves. Whoa. And I started it again. This is one of those yes. ones that just it bore like I need to watch this again immediately. Well, it's yeah, it's one of those movies where immediately after the first viewing of it, the second viewing is going to take on levels and levels and there's things to check for and stuff oh, yeah. like I saw this one cold. I had no idea it existed, what it was and what was going on. And we were just watching TV and a movie came on and we're like, let's watch this. And uh for any, but the the roughly the plot is you know um, Bill Paxton's got two sons that he's raising up, widower, and you know simple simple mechanic, religious man, two young sons, living the all American life, sort of little little edge of sadness because a dead mom, 
And then all of a sudden he starts getting visions from angels and God telling him that pretty soon he's going to have to uh, be a demon hunter and destroy demons. And of of course he, he has to, he does what every father, you know, instinctively do when this happens. He wakes his sons up in the middle of the night to tell them and uh, how they'll be helping him hunt demons. And the one, one son's younger and, uh, you know, just sort of rolls with it. The other son thinks he's kind of crazy, but it just hopes it'll sort of blow over. But it doesn't because his dad starts getting lists from God and just bringing home people who are de- demons. <clears throat> and has got himself a couple um, holy instruments of destruction and will dispatch the demons in front of his kids and eventually has his kids help him with it. All this is sort of framed with one of the kids as an adult going to the FBI to um, inform them that his little brother was a serial killer called the God's Hand Killer. And, uh, yeah, that's about all I'll put in, in that yeah. much. and they, they, they can uh, fill in the rest. But it starts out as just a psychological... It, it was very much like a lot of movies around that time of, like, childhood trauma genre. You know, where you're just like, oh, geez, you know, this is this kid's tale of how he's going to save his brother, you know, from their father. And, uh, well, okay, if anybody wants to spoiler out, now's the time. You, you, by, the, by the end of the movie, it's pretty clear that uh, Dad knew what he was doing. <laughs> yeah, Dad was not crazy. He was killing demons. <laughs> well, so the thing is... <clears throat> When you when you think about the the title of the movie Frailty, right? Um, it's kind of ambiguous of what it refers to. It's not like you don't really kind of know. Is the frailty of your perception of what's real and what's not? Is it mm-hmm. frailty of youth uh, being spoiled by the reality of the world? Is it like it's got so many different meanings? Which I think is one of the great things about this movie. It, it it's not just like you know, it's not like you know, you know. You know, whatever uh, chainsaw hookers, you know, kind of thing. It doesn't give it away with the title, you know, kind of thing, right? Like yeah. it's not that movie. This is a very serious movie. Um, you don't feel like during throughout the whole movie. There's kind of like even having seen it several times, you watch it and you still like, okay. This, this there's there's no like, oh here comes here comes this part which is going to be funny. Like there's no there's no relief the entire time. It's just yeah. you're watching this this dread happen and stuff like that. And the issue excuse me, becomes is that Bill Paxton in the movie, um, I think he does a great job. I mean, I know yeah. he, he was critical of him. Oh, Oscar-worthy job in this one. He was very critical of himself, but I think when you watch him, he's a dad, in the very beginning, he's just a dad who's working hard and his sons are there, but at no point does he ham it up and become no. crazy, like, oh my God, he believes in what he's saying. And the scenes where the scene where he, he kills the sheriff, who's not a demon, where he's oh, he's crying. He's I've never had to kill a man before. I've seen you do it. Those were demons. Like you believe what he's saying. Yeah. Like a hundred percent. You believe he believes. Yeah. Yeah. He, I think that's, that's the key because you think about it. I mean, you have some. I mean, whatever you might feel about Matthew McConaughey as an actor, fine, right? But Powers Booth is a respected actor, right? Kind of thing. Bill yeah. Paxton, uh, you know, is another respected actor. Kind of ironic, right? 
that Bill, uh, Bill Paxton and Powers Booth both passed away in 2017. They were actually really good friends because um, they met yeah. on, the, on the tombstone. And yeah, they actually yeah. both the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in 2013 as well. Yeah, they're all um, Texas boys. And yeah, they're all Texas so boys. So McConaughey. Right, exactly. And McConaughey, Bill Paxton, and uh, what's the other guy's name? Uh, uh, Dirk Chetwood were all in U571 the year before. Like these, this is not some random. Let's just get some random people and throw them in a movie. This stuff was all picked. People were were handpicked for roles to be there. And when movies do that, when when movies, and I don't want to say this in a negative light, when smaller movies, because this is technically a smaller movie, it's a lot of dialogue there's not big sprawling scenes like there's no crazy like set pieces there's it's all kind of told in in like at the kitchen table it's told in the car it's told in the shed it's told in the office like it's very very like vignette of not say vignettes but like smaller things when you do that you need actors even the kids are great yes give you so much because you have to forget that you're watching a movie you have to kind of get sucked in and believe that like okay well this is not bill paxton anymore this is this father and this is not whoever this is fenton meeks and this is adam meeks like as if that was who they really are and i think that's what makes this movie work so well 20 years later as it did 20 years ago this is this is as tight of a movie as any like Twilight Zone episode, like any classic Twilight Zone episode. Every scene feeds the storyline. Every single scene, you know, every every performance hits its mark. Like the cinematography and direction and camera work are amazing. You know, the eye for detail the 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 every everything about it is just was you know just played out to perfection you know was was so well thought out and carried out and yeah it's just it's one of those nearly if not perfect movies you know everything in it is completely integrated with everything else and uh it's just we. It's got its own mood because it takes place in like 1979. Because they're talking about meatballs and the and the what the the, the warriors. warriors. Yeah. And uh, so it's funny. so they're in 1979, but they're in a town that looks like the 50s. They even have like their clothes are the 50s or uh, their house, which is totally plausible. I I've been in houses like that, you know, when I was a kid. So, but like. It's just in this weird when when they when they watch TV they're watching old fifties you know Davy and Goliath or or old you know fifties TV shows black and white shows so it's just got this strange feel to it because you're thinking it's taking place in the, in the fifties and maybe ending in the eighties or the seventies but no it's ending in two thousand you know two thousand and one you know and it was through through the eighties. And and it's strange, and it's also like it was in a time period when there were a lot of serial killer movies. So, you know, I remember watching this the first time and thinking, well, why are they using this framing device to tell the story? 
because you don't need it. You don't need it unless there's some sort of twist to it. And then you're like, oh, but it's also a serial killer story. And those always have twists to them. So, you know, right up until, you know, the very end in the Rose Garden, you know, you just think you're, you, you, you think you're getting a sort of, although this predates um, seven or something, you're, 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 you're getting that moment where the serial killer, you know, um, confronts the FBI agent, you know, maybe a more. Uh, no, seven was before this. I was going to say seven. Seven, well, seven, seven was, was before this. Nine. Yes. Okay. Yeah. You're, yeah. You're right. Yeah. yeah seven. Seven so, was at yeah, peak bleak so, cheek. So you're sort of expecting that that you know the serial killer you know springs his trap on the FBI agent, but you know you could plausibly almost say, well, maybe it's real, maybe it's not, because we're seeing it from from McConaughey's point of view, and he could be an unreliable narrator because like basically like the father could have been schizophrenic and the kids are schizophrenic too but yeah it makes it pretty clear <laughs> yeah well and it also does the, the the you know the extra twist at the very very end of the movie too you yes. know yeah it's like which we I, I, we won't spoil that but it's uh yeah i mean this is the first time i think i gave a shit about mcconaughey as an actor too because he's not playing the you know it's it's not uh the fuck is that seventies movie the Days of Confused it's not no, that no. it's it, you know it, it's not his performance in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre which is no, brilliant it's, in its, really, it's a really good performance and like it's even better the second time you watch it yep. you know what's and you know what's going on it takes on other levels and it's just very so I you, you know I think McConaughey is a really good actor I just don't think he gets utilized correctly or he's lazy with like a lot of the roles he, you know he picks a lot of roles where you wouldn't have to work as hard as maybe this movie <laughs> you yeah. know yeah and and you know really um you know powers booth and uh matthew mcconaughey they're only a couple of days that they were involved in the shooting yeah. on this film and so all their scenes are all together there's only really a couple other people that they interact with and it's really not much and a lot of them is a lot of their scenes is just the two of them together, and yeah. so it, it you know that's that was a great thing, and that's that's something that you know if if Bill Paxton's not directing this, maybe you don't get the two of them to play these yeah. relatively small but crucial roles in this movie, and you get you know two lesser actors, and that detracts from the overall final product. Whereas having yeah. them there really, first off, it sells the movie as a list despite its budget. And this is really just a B picture from a, a budget standpoint, but it sells it because you've got, you know, hey, you've got three recognizable top guys right here, you know, top of the cast. Yeah. And, and also Powers Booth sort of play helps play against play with people's expectations because of the kind of characters he's played in the past. He's very, you know, seeing him as the the world weary FBI guy is like, ah, it fits perfectly. But there's I also a lot like of expectations that come a lot and baggage that comes that yeah. gets subverted with that. I like seeing Powers Booth with hair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so did he. Yeah. But um, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the, the way that the, the way that the two of them needle each other, uh, like when McConaughey's pressing about Powers Booth's mom, and it's just, I I can't picture anybody else doing that. I just can't. It's it, it sucks me in every time I watch it. It, no, it it really it really is, and you know it's you know we've we've talked about this before on this show that you know uh, films said that you you can approach horror in different 
ways, right? And you can have relief in your horror film because you know they the we build up the tension and then we either release it through a scare or we release it through a laugh, right? Yeah. But you can also do we talked about this a lot when we were doing the Italian films, the unrelenting sense of dread. Yeah. That's this movie. And and the entire time, even at the beginning of the story when McConaughey is telling the story and you've got young Fenton and young Adam and like you said, they're arguing, they're not arguing, but they're talking about what movie they're going to go see, you know, and all that. And they have this, this, it's not fairly idyllic life here in, uh, you know, uh, you know, mostly rural central Texas in 1979, you, you know, even then you have this foreboding feeling because he wouldn't be talking to agent Doyle if everything had stayed okay. Right. You know, and so you even then, even when it's idyllic, you're like, what is going to happen that's going to ruin this, uh, this, this scenario? And it, when it comes and you then you're like, oh, no, you know, you 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 identify with young Fenton immediately because he says he goes at that point, I knew my life was never going to be the same. Yeah. And the, and the way that and the way that that's played where it's not a. You know, it's not a Spielberg moment where there's a flash of light and a swell of music, it's just so low key and so matter of fact that hey boys i was just talking to god like <laughs> well the only time like the, the the vision of the first vision of the angel when it's his trophy is very like it's just barely on the edge of you know sort of magical looking it's it's just like basically you know okay if this guy was kind of schizophrenic and the light came in and is and had a few room just right and hit that oh, yeah. statue just right you could hallucinate on it okay and and then the next time when he's under the car which does anybody sit there and just let the sparks bounce in their hair like that i don't know but it was visually really neat when he's underneath yeah. the car and he has his vision and you see the the, the in a pre uh digital cgi world that that effect there was just unbelievable although i imagine they had access to it i'll bet it was some form of practical effect but like with the whole bottom of the car rearranging and then the angel that looks suspiciously like him with a beard coming down and stuff and then the the, the shot of him just quietly laying there just staring at the bottom of the car while life goes on in the, the yeah. it was it was very you know, it, it, it showed, okay, this guy's having an intense experience, but then they showed it and it's like in sort of a prosaic, literal sense that it's like, oh, okay, he's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> well, so the big thing Poor is guy's so Bill crazy. Paxton, yeah. So uh, you know, obviously Bill Paxton and James Cameron became friends when he did Aliens and they've been friends for years, right? Kind of thing. Kind of thing. So what happened was originally Paxton had wanted Every time he touched the, the demon and he would see the vision, he wanted the audience to see it. And Cameron had said, don't do that. Don't yep. show it to them until the very end. Yep. Because he want everyone. He wants to, because he goes, you got to remember the film. He said, you, you got to remember that the film is so literal that you're going to split the audience. And a lot of them are going to believe that the dad is really seeing stuff. And you don't want that. You don't want that to happen. Because you want them to go with Fenton, you want them to believe Fenton as the de you know. And Bill Paxton, well, yeah, and then and they also show that the younger brother is like really suggestible and like like and like prone to lying and stuff. So they, 
they they set it all up so when the little brother's like i saw the demons too it's just like oh yeah kid i see what you're doing <laughs> you know mm-hmm. and, and that's the whole thing is that literally the entire movie until the very end when when mcconaughey reveals that he is adam and he's seen these things like you're like you have no idea i mean it's just literally because you know i mean but you we notice bill paxton never touches any of them right until he nope. takes the glasses off and he does it when you watch what happens powers booth goes to touch mcconaughey he says i got it and he mcconaughey yep. never allows himself to be touched by powers booth that was what i was watching this viewing through i was like gonna see if they was gonna let him touch him and he never does yeah that's what i'm saying they thought out that everything is so thought out and you know planned out on this and like the the second viewing it's just like oh my god this is like when when uh bill paxton says to his son you know if if you go and tell on me god says somebody's gonna die and i thought i'm like the first time through you think he's sort of like passive aggressively underhandedly threatening the little brother saying like hey look if Maybe if you uh, tell on me something will happen to your brother, it just it seems like that. But no, it was the sheriff. <laughs> God was God was right, and and the, the that the poor sheriff, poor happy go lucky, yeah. trusting sheriff. Well, so you know what the, the oh, sorry though. Go ahead, Jim. No, so go one ahead. of the one of the things that became a big contention. Because you gotta remember, this is all 2001, so the internet's still not like it is like so invasive now. The axe has the name Otis on it, and there had been a lot of people who believed that the Otis um, was actually for Otis Meeks, which is the true name of Bill Paxton's character. Dad, because you never they never call Bill Paxton's character by his first name, and that his name was Otis, but. They, they believe that, and some people believe that the Otis stood for only the innocent survive, but the reality is, they, and whatever it might have been meant in the movie, it's all left to be ambiguous. Bill Paxton was actually sh- uh, um, scouting locations in Pasadena like, you know, for, to shoot at, and he, he came across a homeless guy, and he said, hey, let me give you some money, and the guy goes, no, I'm not taking your charity, and he said, what's your name? And the guy's name was Otis. He goes, let me purchase the right to use your name in the movie to give the guy money and that's where the name came from at least according <laughs> to Bill Paxton right so I'm going to turn you into a murdering axe well hey. like, think about hey, an axe is just a tool man yeah that's true but axes about- don't kill people I kill people Bill Ka- Paxton kills people right. sort of but, but, so if you think about it right like I mean again and, and again whoever might be I mean I'm not I'm not calling Bill Paxton a liar but the idea that this the name on the axe actually doesn't mean anything in the movie, but yeah. you want it to mean something so bad because because yeah. they show you it over and over and yeah. over, and it's there to make sure you understand it's the same axe, right? right um, exactly. Like, it's like, but what could it mean? Why is it called Otis? Like, and because the mean, guy who owned that building was named Otis. Yeah. <laughs> That's the problem. It's, it's, the, it's the guy whose he, who's shed he stole it from has his axe. Yep. The guy so. who's a victim of a breaking and entering. Yep. In petty larceny. Yep. I love the, 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 the reveal of that, too. <laughs> just just the, the Excalibur shot, as yes. I like to think of it, with the axe. <laughs> 
Yeah. But no, I mean, that, that's, you know, and that, that's the thing that that is a, a great that that's the closest even then that you get, like I said, to, to some type of release. And it's not, you know, it's really not because you're, you know, it's it you understand the context of what that means, yeah. you know, when, when you're there. But, you know, we and we've talked about this before in this show that, you know, and, and the the film we pick on a lot because it's it's hot garbage is Hereditary. Oh, yeah. Right? And Hereditary <laughs> has no. You know, and one thing to talk about is it has no relief at all in it. It's all serious all the time. This film is all serious all the time, mm -hmm. except it doesn't insult the viewer's intelligence. It's not uh, it, it's not trying to distance itself from the fact that it's a horror film. It's not, um, you know, better than it thinks it is because it's like, look, you know, because it has aspirations to uh, <clears throat> set the world on fire and, and make. Uh, win awards and and make the people in there rich and famous. This is just actually a good movie. It's it's yeah, well written, well shot, well acted, and yep. you know, so so there we're it's okay having the completely unrelentingly grim aspect of it because all it's doing is continuing to build on its generic affect. It's continuing to make you upset and uneasy watching it. And you keep thinking, oh, my God, what the hell is going to happen now? Because it can't be worse than what I just saw. And then it is. And then it is. And it's not that it's worse. It's like, oh, my God, it's so gruesome. It's worse because it's like, you know, the 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 stuff that Fenton is going through. The, well, the stuff that keeps happening. And you're like, you, you just, after a while, especially, we've talked about this before, too. When you watch a movie when you're just a son... And then you watch a movie like this when you're a father and a yeah. son, you, you get angry and upset watching it, even knowing what's coming. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, there's so, so many surface parallels to Hereditary in the way the story is just sort of like, it's, it's like more of an unfolding, a setup, it's a setup for a twist. But the, the difference with between these two movies and, and, and you know, and, and they end with a similar, similarly dark or, you know, or supernatural ending to what could have been something prosaic. But the, the thing about it is, is hereditary gives it away early on. And also in, in frailty, you, the three main characters, you like all three of those characters. Even the dad, even the yeah. dad, even when you think the dad's insane, you realize he truly believes it and you realize that he loves these kids and he's trying to like, he thinks he's trying to help his oldest son and his oldest son is in this horrifying position and you feel for everybody in it. You, you actually feel for them. Whereas in Hereditary, it doesn't set you up with anybody you like. And any kind of emotional connection with them sort of gets cut off, like, not very far into the movie because they're all just miserable wretches throughout the whole, you know, there's just this cloud hanging over it where this is a thunderstorm that, you know, builds from a sunny day. And uh, it makes all the difference in the world. You're, you're waiting for the next scene in horror, but to see how it's going to connect the the new thing like you're halfway through this uh, we were i was halfway through the movie and i'm like wow i'm you know what's happened so far is a lot of what i remember there's not too much and and then it was like oh no no oh that's right that's right and it just keeps 
building on the idea of it and building on the idea of it until you think it's gone to its natural conclusion. And, uh, you know, it's it's dominoes that tur- are turned over and the ending doesn't make you want to go and slash your wrists. You know, <laughs> it's it's just, you know, it's not an upbeat ending really is sort of it's just that twilight zone ending where you're just sort of thrown completely off balance and you know all of a sudden reconnecting everything that you've just seen and it's 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 done perfectly you know and and the first time you watch it like the first time i watched it i just it just played me you know played me like a rube all the way through i was like hook in and and i i love that you know hook me and and it did and i and i'm a sucker for a religious fanatic story too so this is has all the all the trimmings and it's all and it's all sort of wrapped up in a fake serial killer story yeah so real quick uh you mentioned how the end is a very twilight zone kind of feel to it the Mm -hmm. the two kids who ride their scooters across the street are the two kids who were from the in the movie if you slow it down, it's 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 the two actors. It's uh, I don't know their names. Uh, I'm looking for their names. Uh, Jeremy Sumter and uh, Matt, Matt O'Leary. O'Leary. That's the two kids who ride their scooters across the street at the very end when they're out in the street. And you're like, and again, you know, you can't you can't see it unless you know look for it. But once you know it's them, it makes it seem really Twilight Zone because here are the two kids. We just watched all about, and we know who's dead and who's alive. And but now there they are because again, they're two kids on set. This is just a throwaway part, but it kind of adds to that mystique of the movie itself. Yeah, it's, yeah. Could it be? Well, could it be an unreliable narrator story? Yeah, but it's all that stuff that kind of builds through your, you know, like you know. A, a, okay, so when you watch a movie that you need to that needs to be seen twice to be understood, I. To me, The Usual Suspects is always the movie I kind of go back to that idea. The first time you watch Usual Suspects, you like it because, oh, it's a really good story in the end. You're like, holy shit, I didn't see that coming. And then you watch it a second time, knowing what to look for, and you're like, how did I miss it? It's right in front of me. When you watch Frailty for the second time, you're like, how did I miss it? It's all right in front of me. It's literally everything is spelled out for you the entire movie. There's no mysteries. It's it's, all there. it's spelled out for you, but it 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 tricks it poisons the wealth right from the beginning because you're you're assuming, you know, yeah. you can put you can write off all that. That's the thing is you can write off everything that he sees and does as being insanity up until a, a certain point. You know, well, it's like this. Okay, like once you know who Kaiser Sose is, it changes how you view the usual suspects. Yeah. Once you know yeah. who Meeks is. It changes the way you look at everything, because remember when 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 they call the sheriff's office, they get Adam's wife, who's the, the pregnant one. I see there, yeah. Fenton. What did he do? He grab. He was grabbing them. She's not lying for him. She wants to know what did Fenton do, knowing full well that's her brother-in-law, who is crazy. So no one is thinking, you think nothing of it, nothing yep. of it. Once yep. you know, you're like, oh, shit, <laughs> of course she's not lying. You're like, of course she's not lying because he did. 
he stole an ambulance. He's crazy, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, and uh, that, you know that was that, that. You you reading it like that? That is another thing I liked about this. And Hero, you nailed it when you said a bunch of Texas guys, because mm-hmm. this is set in, like I said, mostly rural central Texas. Yeah, you know the town of Thurman. Texas. It's fake. Thurman is fake. It was Thurman supposed to be a fake town. Yeah. It was supposed to be Tyler, Texas, but they said, no, thank you. We don't need no, that. Thank you. With us. <laughs> now, the good people of Tyler said, thanks, but no, thanks y'all, you know, but, yeah. uh, uh, but, uh, what, what that said, it's, it's set in, you know, Texas, but it is not a typical way that Hollywood depicts Texas. It is an honest depiction of Texas. And I'm willing to bet a fairly honest depiction of what life was like in small town central Texas in, in 1979. Yeah, you like know? It was, so basically like a time capsule of the 50s. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, but but it's it doesn't it doesn't treat the setting as a joke. It doesn't treat the setting as well. Of course, you know, the, and even the again the um, that on that piece that is included on the the VHS tape. Uh, they're talking about the um, it's Brett Hanley is the is the writer and he talks about that he was always kind of fascinated with religious fanaticism and he said it he said growing up in I think he grew up in Dallas he said you know this is kind of the buckle of the Bible Belt you know mm-hmm. so it's a reasonable place to set it but it treats the setting and and the characters set there with respect you know that which you don't now now in two thousand one this wasn't as prominent whereas now you can't have a film that's not set in you know. That that sets someplace like that where everyone's not a, you know, a hick rube, you know, and everybody's uh, everybody's hiding something and everybody's, you know, devious and evil and all that. That's that's just the way that Hollywood is now with with flyover states, whereas here this is a fairly honest depiction. And that sincerity goes a long way towards, again, the, the, the believing the believability of the rest of the film. The crazier yeah. crap that happens because you're like, okay, well, this is not like a cartoon version of Texas. No, know? it's got it's, that it's 70s, for me, it's a, you know, 70s I mean, I'm, realism I'm, sort yeah. of thing where they They're, where they like hired a couple people from the town to just sort of like wander into the sheriff's office and yeah, sit around yeah. at the at the diner and stuff. I mean, but as, yeah, as a yeah as a guy in in the suburban South who's got friends from you know Central Texas, that, that it all very it all rang very true to me. The way that it's depicted and it's not a caricature and so that that again that adds that sincerity to now when we start thinking about the actual crazy shit that's happening mm-hmm. the other thing too i think it, it helps this movie a lot is at an hour and 40 minutes it gets oh, no. in does what he's doing gets out it doesn't yeah. overstate its welcome it's not too short we were like ah, eh, they could have expanded nothing feels rushed no, nope. but at the same time, nothing feels over long. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it's got yeah. that Hitchcock feel, like where he had it all figured out and just yep. constructed it. I, you know, I don't know what got cut out of this or or whatever, but it feels as if there's nothing that doesn't belong in there, and you know, there's nothing extra in there that you don't need. You know, everything yep. is there. And it's there to either add to the story or add to the mood to it, or it's, you know, or it doesn't happen. Every, you know, it's told very sparely and simply. And the actors do a lot of, and the actors and to uh, tell the truth, the camera does. So there's a that fantastic scene where they, 
where the dad drags him into the parking lot to to get the old guy who's going into the basically the big lots yeah and uh and dad's dad's reading his his religious book in the car while the kids are waiting and the the older kid sees the the guy come out the you know their victim come out of the store and his dad's reading the book and you can see him think maybe this guy's going to walk on by and my dad won't see it and you know he looks over and the camera pans over and you see his dad reading the book and it pans over to the guy then it pans over to his dad and the book's down he's like there he is boys <laughs> it's just it's perfect well, you know so another perfect example of that when he sits down in the bed to talk to them originally all three are supposed to be sitting together to talk about it and what bill paxton said was well let's do it this way and then change the camera angle and bill paxton sits with adam right you know the dad sits with adam and fenton sits by himself and the camera draws back on that scene to show you that they are separate than each other. Mm-hmm. In the movie, there are times when the dad and Adam are shown together and Fenton is shown separately. It's always done that way. I mean, again, not, not every single time, but as the story goes, it's much more, sh- as the story goes on, Adam and the dad are together, Fenton. And it's separated. And it's little things like that because you're understanding they are not together anymore. Yeah, until the point where Fenton goes in the basement, you know. Well, but then what happens is then Fenton, even that scene, when, when, when Fenton has the axe, Fenton is shown alone. They cut to the dad who's standing with Adam. Back to Fenton with the axe. Fenton turns and slams, you know, when he slams the axe into him, Adam's there. Like, it's, it's, it's so subliminably, like, little things that you just don't pick up on. But it was all about them being separate. And then, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, this the idea that, like, you know, you're going to be able, I mean, it's, it's the, the, the movie hits you, and you know that Fenton is going, like, I mean, he says he, you know, he's, yes, God spoke to me and whatever kind of thing, whatever, right? You're like, man, at some point, you're like, if I've been in here for a week in the with no food and barely enough water to be alive, and however many days it might have been, like, you're willing to say whatever you're willing to say to get out of that. Yeah. You know, I, it's, and, 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 and I gotta say this though. I, I know, I know people, you know, might think, Oh, what, the scene after he's done digging the ditch, or the, the, the hole and he, and he bur- make, ruins his hands. Watch him eat. Yeah. At no point does he forget to sell his hands. Everything hurts looking at that. Yeah. Him watching his hands hurts when they pull him out of the, the when they pull him out of the out of the cellar and he's now been starved. Watch how he's eating. He's shoveling the way you would if you were starving. It's not oh let's you know he looks like absolute garbage because he should because he's been in the ground for you know two weeks right. But he it's the way you would happen. It's so real. It doesn't read as acting. It reads as I'm watching this poor child who's been abused. Yeah, this is so, not a power, not a demon at all. No, powerful movie. It's a super powerful movie, and I think that's what people kind of because when when you say horror, people oh it's horror oh they, they roll their fucking eyes and they're being like whatever. But like you have a movie can be powerful and and have a a, a message. That, oh you know, yeah, no. Speak. This 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 is a kind of movie 
that could that could suck much much like fucking hereditary where like it, it, it this played in art houses it played like in the little theater here you know with all the the, the indie movies and stuff and people go like oh you know good cast go check it out and not even know they're in a horror you know not even know they're in a horror movie until the end you know and uh that's i i always love that and then and like you'll get people who say they don't like horror movies but they would love this movie Mm -hmm. because it tricked them you know just tell people by the time it tricked them into a horror movie they're already enjoying it which is just like this i remember these two girls that we used to live with they were total, you know, films that they were they were art school snobs about movies and would only see art house movies. And we all were going out to the movies one night and we'd all decided to go see Dumb and Dumber. And they were just <laughs> like, oh, God, we're going to go see this garbage, blah, blah, blah. They almost shit their pants. They were laughing so yeah. hard. Snot was coming out of their nose and they were just like, that was the greatest thing in the world. And it's like, there you go. You just yeah. gotta get get their ass out there, and a good movie will suck in anybody, even you know, that thinks they hate that genre. So this is a good this is a good uh, crossover for, yeah, so, for for people who, yeah, who uh, may not you know may not be like oh I don't want to watch Freddy. Yeah, may not normally want to consume a horror movie. Right. Yeah, real quick, real quick. The budget you know, it's an axe murderer movie. <laughs> so the budget yeah. was estimated about eleven million dollars, right? And we kind of figure there's not, you know, there's not a ton of sets and whatever. And that's about right for shooting and whatever. It took them about eight weeks to shoot the movie. The movie grossed a little over thirteen million in the U.S. worldwide, about seventeen million. That's now profit, right? Well, it's, it's yeah, it's, but it's not a huge profit, and it would be you know horrible by today's standard, whatever. Why did this movie make? obviously the lion's share of its money in America and not as much overseas, right? I mean, because, you know, sometimes horror movies are international and they work well. It's very American. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, is there a black person even in this movie? It's very white, like, it's American, Texas, Texas-looking, American, super American religious, you know, content. But it's, it's, it's a slice of America that rings true and that doesn't always work well overseas i mean just let's just call a spade a spade right it's just true it but it's so it so rings true that this is 1979 small rural town central to northern texas whatever eastern texas whatever right kind of thing this movie rings true there and even those of us who have never been to middle of texas or don't have a ton of friends we believe that that's what we're looking at. It looks real. Well, well that's yeah. the thing is Americans, there's a lot of subtleties to grasp in this movie because like, yeah. if you were an American, you could look at this and go like, this is the 50s. But mm-hmm. like being an American, you go, oh, okay, in Texas, it's it was like this back in those days. And when they mentioned meatballs, you go like, oh, okay. So it's like right at the end of the 70s. And so there's a lot, the, the, the but it's not like, a fetishized version of of our culture which tends to go over better in foreign markets you know like a more you know just like you know like saturday night fever or something like that or you know something with with dance numbers and this doesn't do it at all this is like a psychological horror movie that like 
Americans are, you know, it's it's got American brand of like sort of fundamentalist religion of Christianity, and it's it's Texas, so it's about as American like, you know, stereotype Americas American, you know, place setting, but it's not crudely drawn. It's very subtly drawn. Yeah, right. I, 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 I totally understand why this movie wouldn't make a lot of money. It's just hard to, it, it's hard to sell. Like I remember seeing VHS boxes of it that that you, you know, there was nothing to make it like stand out. You know, I was like, ooh, there's frailty because I'd seen it and I liked the movie, but it's, you know, it, it's, it's, it doesn't fit into an easy marketing <laughs> scheme and no. God forbid, like, God for I, I, you know, I, I never went and watched the trailer to it, but like how they presented the trailer to this movie without giving anything away or, you know, without totally misrepresenting it, you know, but yeah, it's a, it's a hard sell. It's a, it's a, obviously a passion project and, uh, it's one of those movies that it's gonna see its life in the later years, you know, it's, it's, it's. It's definitely gets love now, but not as much as it really should. So well, I, I mean, unless you, but that's the other thing. I mean, unless you're into that kind of stuff, you probably weren't going to know about it. You know, it's, yeah. it's just well, one nowadays, of those things. After like Hereditary and Hereditary and Midsummer and a lot of supernatural sort of horror movies, you know, it might have a, it, it might have a new audience these days. I recommend do, doing a double feature with this and the very similar... Um, oh, before you say what it is, can I try to guess what it is? Yes. The Gift? No. Oh, okay. That was going to be my recommendation for a double feature with this. No, um, uh, The Rapture, it's called. And oh, I that's right. Yes, yes, we had mentioned that. And and it's it's a very, very similar story, although it's not as murdery, although there is some murder in it. But Chris is what I'm If if you think about this is 2001, right? What are the horror movies? The big the big horror release, quote unquote, in 2001. Jeepers Creepers came out, which is a, a very much a, like a creature movie with a killer, or whatever. Uh, Jason X came out. The biggest one probably was Hannibal, which was the sequel to the Silence of the Lambs. Mm -hmm. Was a huge gun, right? Uh, Brotherhood of the Wolf came out that year. Uh, which is a great film. It's not a horror movie, actually, but it's a great movie. But, like, if you want to technically talk about, like, the quote-unquote the, 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 the monster movie of the year, it's The Mummy Returns comes out, right? Those movies, uh... right? And, again, I love Mummy Returns. I'm not saying, not knocking that at all. The other movie that came out that didn't make any money that same year that I think works really well with frailty is Session 9. Holy crap. Ugh. Yeah. Dude, if you want to not feel good for a week, watch <laughs> Session 9 Frailty in one day, and you'll be like, I don't, I don't even know why I want to do I've never heard of this. I've never heard of this movie. I'm writing it oh down because I want to feel bad for a week. Session, <laughs> session 9. There's, there's nothing in Session 9 where you feel good. I mean, I mean, Luke, am I on point with this? No. Right I'm listening. Point. Yeah. I've watched Session 9 one time. I don't know if I could watch it again. It affected me so much. 
And especially when you watch like the the uh, deleted scenes and stuff, because there's a scene in there like fuck, like I just came out of my skin, <laughs> right? And I'm like, but at the time in Rumor, not Rumor, excuse me, in Fangoria, they were talking about the 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 fucking oh Cannes, I couldn't think of the name of it, the Cannes Film Festival, and like all of the movies that they had screened at these film festivals, and they said the movies you got to see are Frailty, Session Nine. They actually talked a lot about, like, I mean, Hannibal got some love because Hannibal's a really good movie. Yes, Brother I really is, love Hannibal. Yeah, but Hannibal's just a great movie, but it's, like, it's very mainstream. But, like, the other, the thing was, you looked at what those things were, and you were, like, you know, it was Brother the Wolf and whatever. You're, like, okay, well, what could these, these, these all can't be that good. And eventually you saw them, you're, like, oh, they are. But the thing is, the other movie that came out that same year, and, again, it's, it's Spanish, so it's hard, is The Devil's Backbone. The oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. I still have not seen that either. Oh, dude, that's yeah. that's a that's a very different movie. You don't. Well, there's not a lot of happiness it, in that movie either. Well, I was gonna say the Devil's Backbone. I mean, you know, we we mentioned this. I I kind of made the joke about this when when Chris when you mentioned Seven. Okay, but in the late '90s, mid to late '90s, there was the Bleak Chic, right? The uh, it, where where it suddenly became very popular to have these incredibly bleak movies. Yes. You know? And and uh, did the and and I remember reading an article in Entertainment Weekly of all places talking about the bleak chic, to the point that even Friends, which was the most poppy upbeat show uh, imaginable, still mm. tapped into bleak chic. If you listen to the song, it's who's it? The Replacements sings the song on on Friends. Yeah. You know, uh, your job's a joke. You're broke. Your love life's DOA. So even that was a little bit of bleak chic, right? So that was, uh, you know, and, and then what happens in 2000? A Republicans elected president, you know? And so that is always good for horror movies. We're well, Thomas you know, and punk rock when that happens. Yeah. So, so now <laughs> you're into 2001. You've got all these filmmakers that were already tapping into the zeitgeist of, you know, the, the Y2K era that right. you know everything was going to start going down the tubes this you know bleak was was in and now you've got a republican in office and oh lordy they're going to bomb us all back to the stone age clutch them pearls you know that's what the filmmakers are all doing so now you're starting to see movies like this and devil's backbone is is more on the nose supernatural mm -hmm. there's not as much of a question but it's just as grim as these other films and jay's right it, it was it was like the, the the site i used to read was called e splatter and it was mm -hmm. like every two weeks there was another movie that were like, okay, I know, remember remember when we said Frailty was the best horror movie of the year? It's like, mm -hmm. now you got to watch Session 9. It's like, remember when we said Session 9 was the best horror movie of the year? Now you got to watch The Devil's Backbone. And it kept going like this. You know, so th this is such a rich era for yeah, especially I think it's kept going movies. ever since then. Yeah, I think and, and it's still it's, going it's, in it. And it's completely forgotten by so many people because the 2000s, you know, and again, you guys, and I say you guys, you know, Chris, you and Scott Gardner will often used to talk about how a film might have 70s damage. You yes. know, there are a lot of films that have 2000s damage because oh, yeah. of how they were made, how they were shot, what they were shot on. Like that. And it's so funny thing. that at yeah. that time period, you think, well, these movies are going to age well, and then they do not at all. <laughs> No, so you get a lot of that, damage. you know, that where it's, yeah, but the, the 2000s damage. And let me tell you, I watched this on VHS because that's how I roll. 
I have I have owned this. I, I bought this VHS at a Blockbuster, you know, uh, t- twenty years ago, and I've had it ever since. So, and I and I sent I sent you guys the uh, a, a clip of this, where you know we're watching watching the VHS, and it's got the incredibly two thousand one commercial for Lionsgate Film or Lion Lionsgatefilms dot com, which is just astounding time capsule to twenty years ago. <laughs> You know the thing about get their get their digital newsletter, you know, or or the hotline. You can call and get the hotline to find out what movies are going to be released each week, you know. And it's like this was only twenty years ago, and it seems like a like a lifetime ago. Yeah, you know. And so that that is one of the things that a lot of these movies, because they're they're modern, but they're not modern enough, you know. Yes. you know, we, we, we've moved into, it's like, okay, that's passe. It's, it was 20 years ago. But to me, it's like, these are still really modern and they're really well made. And Frailty was like the vanguard of them because it was the one that had actors you had heard of in it. So it's, it, it's, it's, this whole era needs to be revisited as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. I just want to throw this out there because real quick, because I know you guys appreciate this. Also in 2001, there was the 13 Ghost, the Dark Castle 13 Ghosts, like remake, reimagining. Yeah. Which I love. Uh, I, I mean, it. Looking back at it now, I can see past some of its flaws for the amazing stuff it has. But there are two other, well, three other movies I have to mention. Yep. Luke said this: Republican in Office. You get, you know, you get good horror. You said there's Chris. You said there's punk rock. What did Carpenter do in 2001? Ghost of Mars, which I, I love. Which is his updating of Assault on Precinct 13. Yep. Yeah, and his love of westerns because it's basically a western right there in the desert, yep. kind of thing, right? And he puts them together. And again, that movie has, like Luke says, a lot of the two thousand damage on it because it's you know Natasha Henstridge and Ice Cube, and you're like, okay, like I don't know about them in those roles, but but again, <laughs> once you get past them in those roles, there it, there's nothing wrong with the movie. It's just like well, Pam Greer it, too was having yeah. a sort of Pam comeback. Was, in. Pam Greer was perfect in her role. That's yeah. not a I'm just saying, right? I'm just, and, she belongs I need, I need to in a just, John yeah. Carpenter movie. John she Carpenter is a John Carpenter yeah. heroine, like 1,000%. And the other one that most people wrote off as being, oh, who cares, is bullshit, uh, is Bones, which is the Snoop Dogg movie. Yes. Right? And, and that movie is way better than it has any any it, right to be. I have not seen it. Right. It has no right being half as good as it is. It is a great ghost story. It is, but it, but it's Snoop Dogg being not not yo yo you know hizzle to mindizzle but you know kind of thing like it's but it's him playing a pimp at whatever and then it goes in but it works so well and I don't know what this is apropos of at all thinking of all these movies I'm talking about and like the serious stuff like that whatever but um, Elvira's Haunted Hills also came out that year. I just want to throw that out there because that has the best probably boobs on the cover of any of these movies. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm sure bo- boobs on the cover of a horror movie were not as, as common at this time period, too. No, so no. Because what you're now, you now have is you now are leaving the all-black background with the with the actors, you know, in the, the screen poster. I was called that. Yeah. That's the yeah. mid-'90s screen poster, right? You're now getting posters that are kind of still using a lot of black but now we kind of put different things there and you know, now we have all virus boobs ginormously with the, with the pendulum swinging in front. But the idea though 
those move. Let's go with that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, no, I'm agreeing with you. I'm saying pendulous. Oh. That's the word that we're thinking of. That's so, why I like them. Um, the, so the thing is, there are movies in 2001, and, and Frailty is probably the perfect example of this, that are, are I don't want to say forgotten, but they have become cult because they didn't fit the, the uh, scream postmodern slasher phase. I know you did last summer, uh, Urban Legends, you know, fill in the blank, whatever you want to make them, right, kind of thing. And it didn't fit that new... No, the, it was the, shot very traditionally. Right. And it, and it, but it didn't do that new thing that like, like where horror started getting more, I don't want to say crazy, but you kind of like, let's amp it up. Let's, I mean, again, it's all, it's all long before hostile and saw and stuff like right. that, but it never, it's not those. They live in that middle period. It's the middle children of history, man. If you know your, uh, uh, fight club, right. Kind of thing <laughs> there. We have no great wars. We have, you know, but it's, it's the stuff that's kind of forgotten. And those become cult movies. But Luke was saying this, like he is at East Splatter was talking about, this is the best movie. Go with it. Fangoria came out and said the best movie. And I forget what year it is. Uh, it was Ginger Snaps. When Ginger Snaps Ginger came out. Snaps, yeah. Ginger Snaps was, was actually, it didn't, we, like, it didn't get like on like DVD and stuff till 2001, but actually started, was doing the festival circuit in 2000. 2000. Right. Yeah. And then, once, uh, once Ginger snapped, they said, this is the best movie you got to see. Like, oh, we got to go find this, right? So what happened was Ginger Snaps uh, was said to be the best movie. You got to go see this. Then they said the best movie was Session 9. And I'm like, okay, Ginger Snaps was fucking amazing. Let's check out Session 9. Scared the shit out of John and I. Like, <laughs> no. The middle of the day. But, you know, no, 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 no. In all fairness, no, that was The Descent. John actually okay, had, yeah. <laughs> John had a panic attack during the descent in the middle of the day. He got claustrophobic, right? No, we watched we watched uh, session nine after working like a 12-hour, we're like exhausted, and we're watching this going, this is scaring the shit out of me. John goes, I'm getting pretty scared too, dude. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, you know, these two hardened guys. But then they said, well, if you think those two are good, you got to see dog soldiers. And you're like, fucking dog soldiers. Could you name three more different films then Ginger no. Snaps, Session 9, and Dog Soldiers? No. Are they all amazing? Yes. Do they all hit in different ways? Yes. And well, that's are, one are the they all from three different countries, too? No. Uh, uh, a, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah dog, no, no, no. Uh, no. Session 9 is American and, and Ginger Snaps is American. No, no, oh, Ginger okay. Snaps, no, no, no. Ginger Snaps is Canadian. Canadian, yeah. you're right. Yes. And, and, and they all hit different. And, and what he calls definitely from Britain. Britain uh, yeah. Because it's Marshall. Right, Ginger Snap. I mean, um, as they, as they hell, dude, throw Devil's Backbone in there too, because that was made in Mexico. Got Mexico, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> all those movies kind of start, and, and you, we, we watched all those things together. I mean, like Luke and I and John or whatever, we watched those things, and every one of them was like, "Wow, they are so good!" But they, they could be good and be completely different. Frailty comes into that same mix. It's amazing, but it's not cookie cutter. No, it's nothing like the other ones. I mean. There's there's a lot of dread in it, but but the reality is, uh, I mean, Ginger Snaps is a werewolf movie. Uh, uh, Dog Soldiers is a werewolf movie. They're not the same werewolf movie at all. Devil's Backbone's a ghost story. Um, Bones is a ghost story. Um, um, Session Nine is like a psycho is a psychological, a straight up psychological movie. 
but it's, yeah. it, it, it gives you a ghost story as it's kind of thing. Like, let's get you a ghost story going on here, but it ain't no ghost. It's about going insane, right? Yeah. Frailty is kind of about going insane, but is it is real? It? Yeah, right. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what I'm saying. Everyone can be different and get you and unique in itself and still hit on all the marks. It's the problem what we get, excuse me, when you start getting the cookie cutter movies. None of those other movies can be cookie cuttered, right? I mean, there are Ginger Snap sequels and whatever, but you can't cookie cutter those other movies out. They just don't work well. It's not like in 1981 or 1982 when someone takes a stopwatch and times out how long between the kills, it's six minutes and 30 seconds we need to have a kill, and they made Graduation Day, which is a stopwatch movie, where they literally stopwatched out all the kills so they happen every so often. That was the formula. That worked beautifully. You, these are unique, and I think that's what makes them each. Each one of them is their own. Uh, um, I mean, I love each one of them individually for their own reasons, and that is exactly why. When we, when you guys brought up, let's watch Frailty. It was an easy yes. It was an easy yes. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Let's watch a movie I love. Sure, twist my arm. Why don't you? <laughs> I, I sat through the two pieces of shit we had to watch. You know, yeah, this is also a movie I like to like give a chance to recommend to people too so right to even doubly so jump on this one yeah so yeah, and i get I, to watch it again right i mean i i say that all the time i you know i i you know that this show and the other shows that we do a great excuse to break out yep. a film that you haven't watched in a while that you yep. know is good or that in my and, case a lot of times that i've never seen before but is on my list of shame yeah well you know what yeah. though honest is that there were uh i mean again depending on what you were doing right and you know kind of thing and it's hard because i mean in the late 90s early 2000s luke and i are you know and craig we're, we're finishing up you know finishing up high school going to college we're getting new jobs and stuff because of how, how what our age is right kind of thing we have you know it wasn't like i was already married with kids and whatever like it'd be a lot harder to check out as many movies as we did but I, I feel lucky that we were able to be able to watch these things and be able to spend time and, you know, stay up to all hours of the night because the next day, doesn't matter if I have one hour sleep, I'm totally good at my job. We can do it, right? That stuff can still happen. We needed to do those things. And that's why we find a lot of these films that maybe are overlooked. To, to, just, just to give you an idea, right? In, in 2000, American Psycho came out. Right. American Psycho. That's a classic. Another classic that right now a lot of people would have a lot of problems with what happens in that movie. And I'm like, well, <laughs> oh, no, you see, I think well, I think now that movie hits different. Like I've I've I, I knew a lot of people who love mostly girls who love that movie for all the wrong reasons. They did exactly. not realize that it was satirizing that you know Bateman's a piece of shit you know they did not they're like oh you know and I think it plays more like now that there's some distance from that time period I think people take it now as more of just a huge parody of of that time period you know that's just what I got the near of the 80s watching it right what I'm saying is the difference is though like we're looking at that and the people again and luke remembers this that it was one of the it was so controversial at the time like how could they show this stuff and you're like and we watched it we're like what's the controversy 
Like, it's because you you have non-horror people reviewing it. <laughs> That's why. What happens is, right, 2000, like Luke said, we know we got a Republican president and horror turns around. The next year, we get all these films that were like, these are all gems made for no money. Made for no money. There's no, there's, there's no blockbusters in what we just talked about. Not one of them. But anyway, so frailty, folks, if you're interested in frailty, uh, I know Luke has his VHS. I, I don't you, know if you can You can try it. my VHS tape out of my cold, dead oh, no. hands. I will be saying people, saying it might be hard to get one of those nowadays. The Blu-ray is readily available. It's like nine bucks. It's well worth your time to pick up. Um, if you've never seen Frailty and you've listened oh, this far. keeper. Yeah. Yeah. I'm saying, we warned you that we were going to ruin all the surprises. But like, you literally need to watch this. And if you've seen it a long time ago, you're like, oh, I, I kind of remember what. Watch it again. You will be happy you watched it again. Not not, not happy because it's a upbeat story. Happy because you're like, wow, I forgot how good an actor yep. Bill Paxton was. I forgot how good the interplay between Matthew McConaughey and Powers Booth was. The kids are fucking amazing in this movie. Yeah, no, it's a completely absorbing movie. It, it, it yeah. completely sucks you in from the from the first second to the last second. You know, yeah, I, I got the I got the joy of showing this to Maureen right before uh, we started talking about it uh, to do, and it was just one of those things. It's like I remember the movie; she's never seen it, so I, at least I get to watch the. Uh, yeah, the, so you get to get the secondhand yeah, enjoyment of somebody enjoying it for that, the first time. That dopamine rush of seeing yeah. it for the first time. Yeah, yeah. Okay, you got you got a live reaction video right in your house. Yep. Let, let, let me just get this. So we all know that my wife tends to not watch whatever we're watching. It doesn't matter if she picks the movie. She's all, right, whatever, right? I'm watching this the other day and this other morning. And Haley and I said, Haley, do you want to sit down and watch this with Daddy? And she's like, no, I'm going to go play and do what I want. So she was, and that's fine. I'm not going to force her to sit and watch a movie, right? Um, I said, this isn't a monster movie. There's not monsters. It's not like creatures and stuff. Because there was creatures, she might stick around for the creatures. I said, it's a lot of people talking but it's very very good and it's but you have to pay attention kelly comes downstairs there's maybe 30 minutes left in the movie she goes oh my god i know this movie she went to the fridge got a yogurt sat down and watched the end of the movie there you go there is no bigger seal of approval that my wife can give you than she didn't look at her phone for 30 whole minutes and watch the end. <laughs> she goes oh my god i love this movie she loves it she hates horror movies. She loves this movie. Why? Because you connect with you connect with the dad, yeah, the kid, yeah. connect with them. Oh my god! It tells yeah. a good story, and that's the basic. You know, it tells a good story with characters that you like, and yeah. you can't beat it. You know, yeah. it's no, a sk- it's a skill that has been neglected. Mm-hmm. Yep. So. Yeah, go check it out. Yeah, it's well worth your time. And you get bonus Davy and Goliath cartoons. <laughs> yeah. and, and if you don't check it out, well, you know, may God have mercy on your soul. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, you might have, uh, if, if Hero shows up with, at your door with gloves on, <laughs> turn around and run. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what I thought was, that's it, pal. 
you just made the list. That's all that is, you know. <laughs> oh, man. I was desperately trying not to make a Jericho joke during this. <laughs> I'll go there. Something. I got no pride. Yep. Oh, I thought that I thought that was a Stripes uh, quote. Oh, a psycho Jer- quote. Oh, it's, it's a Jericho thing. Chris Jericho. Oh. Check out our other show. <laughs> Back to the wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, I'm tired and so weary, but I must go along Till the Lord comes and calls, calls me away, oh yes And the morning's so bright, and the Lamb is the light And the night, night is as black as the sea There will be peace in the valley for me someday. Peace in the valley for me. Dear Lord, I pray there'll be no sadness, no sorrow, no trouble I see. There'll be peace in the valley for me. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and a number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. Future Freaks has been brought to you today by DiManzo Corps of Milan, Italy, and by the letters F and U.